should you decide to accept it. So welcome back to this week's Your Mission podcast. As we were pick, we are deep into Maiden territory with Power Slave. Alonzo, you want to talk about Power Slave? Sure. Yeah, so I picked this because I don't think we had done like a metal record. And so a couple of, a couple of just disparate thoughts. So one, for me, Maiden is like the missing link between like 70s rock and like the heavier, weirder metal of the 80s. And there's even like stuff that sounds almost like glam. Like it occupies this like weird space. So there's stuff like with the, the double leads and double lead solos and stuff like that that's like totally 70s rock inspired or at least certainly that stuff started in the 70s Boston-ish sounding but then it's fast as fuck it's incredibly technical I think this is the most technical record that we've listened to like most musically like technical record that we've listened to this point like it's hard as fuck to play this music and they play at such a high level they sit Bruce Dickinson's voice he sings the fuck out of these things I think the drumming is like high level especially for back then um, yeah. the bass playing is nuts and the fact that you almost never can hear that in metal not all metal but like definitely not this kind of metal <laughs> it's not known for it's like virtuoso bass players or at least that doesn't rise up in the mix doesn't have the murder face solo going on. <laughs> exactly. And it's not far. It's <laughs> not far away. <laughs> and then, I think also, this is one of the best lyrical albums that we've listened to, I think. And that's probably a hot take, but fuck it. I just think, like, these songs are epic. Like, you just feel like you're fucking in a fighter pilot <laughs> in the first song. Like you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere on a boat and like you're dying of thirst. These songs are so like trying to actually do things and they're not just like, I feel alone or I'm angry or girls suck or what, I don't know, whatever, like, you know, your typical rock shit is and, or hail Satan or any of that stuff. They're like, trying to do things with each one of these songs lyrically and I have to commend them for that. So to me it's like a nice little nexus point and I didn't really get into Maiden like it was always in the background. I think Ryan, maybe it was you, I can't remember who it was. I honestly don't remember who it was that introduced me to Maiden like in high school but it was in the ether, but I didn't really get into Maiden until much later, like probably 10 years ago. Like, really listen and really enjoy the records and have opinions about the songs and I have a best, I have a Maiden best of and like really dig deep. So yeah, it's just, it, it occupies this interesting space and it's like connective tissue in the sort of history of music and metal. And if I'm going to pick Priest or Iron Man, it's Iron Man all the way. Even though I like Judas Priest. And, I'm also gonna say this, 
I like Maiden more than the American thrash bands. Like Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, others. Slayer? Yes. Yeah, they rank a little higher. I mean, I'm just, like, for me, like, all those bands are really cool. But these guys are really British. It's funny. Like they're like doing songs about like fight air, air, you know, plane, fighter plane battles and one shit or like <laughs> run to the hills where it's right. It's, they're doing it's songs about that, and they're not doing songs about I hate you, fuck. I don't know. Like so for me, just as a nerd and like on some, I always loved reading about history and stuff like that. Shit, like this just hits me in a different way. And that's whatever, man. I'm not talking shit about any of those American thrash bands. I think those are awesome bands. And just side note, Ryan, Megadeth is going to be at the Isleta Amphitheater in August. Yeah, I think Meg- I'm good on Megadeth I mean, and, and Lamb of God co headlining. <laughs> just, just putting it out there. I'll pass. Yeah, I like, I think Beavis and Butthead introduced me to Iron Maiden. Like, like nice. my parents weren't maiden. Dad was Black Sabbath, but not and and Dio Black Sabbath. That yeah, was yeah, yeah. probably the first time I realized someone other than Ozzy sang for Black Sabbath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he had Dehumanizer on tape. Right. Astro Reality on tape in the truck. And, and I think I dubbed both of them and probably wore them out at some point. Mm-hmm. But so for me, like I think Beavis and Butthead introduced me to Maiden. And it was very much a novelty then, and it still feels like a novelty to me now. Like, it really doesn't get me going in the same way that, like, American Thrash Metal does. Yeah, there are Maiden cuts that I enjoy, and I can appreciate the technical aspect of it. Mm -hmm. It bleeds together in a way that, like, certainly some Slayer does as well and Megadeth a little bit too but like to another level like it I just get lost in it sometimes and, it, and it's I don't know I'm just not driven to listen to it but I think you're right I think it's probably like some of the most technical stuff we've listened to like all of these guys are really on point for their instruments yeah it's it was fun it'll be my maiden fix for quite some time <laughs> you're done you're done with maiden <laughs> after this you know I, I rarely have the desire to put maiden on maybe i'm just not there yet maybe one day i'll learn to appreciate iron maiden <laughs> and the grateful dead maybe, uh, wait, maybe hold on. why wait why are you like putting the grateful dead <laughs> together with iron maiden those are both like the kind of bands that people that are really into that type of music lift up as like this like pinnacle of the form. Right? Uh-huh. If you're a jam band person, like the dead or uh, the, the jam band, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and if you're a metal guy for a very long time, it was very much like me. It's interesting. I feel like, so I, I went to a party a couple weeks ago. I actually went to a fucking party. It was crazy. So that, yeah, yeah went, it's, it's I went to a party and it was very much like a dude's, it was a dude party. So I'm, I'm there and I'm hanging out and the topic of like your top five metal bands comes up. And everyone's like saying Sabbath, whatever. And then some newer bands like Gojira and other bands that like are, I know, but like I'm kind of like, man, you're gonna put them in your top five? Holy shit. And I was, the, almost 40. I was the only one that said, I was the only one that had Iron Maiden in my top five. Yeah, but again, how old were these people? Like, um, how close to 40 
were they, late, and were you the only one? Late twenties and at late twenties and early thirties, but all of them said Sabbath. Like all of them said Sabbath. I think. Let me think. What else was well represented? Like the American thrash bands, right? Some combination of Slayer or Megadeth or Metallica. Like Sabbath is the easy one, right? Like Sabbath is softball. Like I think Maiden used to be in that territory, but nobody plays that type of metal anymore. Like <laughs> that's totally true. It's like a really rare thing yeah. to hear this kind of metal. I get confused when people say Sabbath is metal, and granted, I don't have a very deep knowledge of their catalog, but nothing I've ever heard of theirs would I classify as metal, but then again, maybe... Not this kind, for sure. Yeah, yeah, not this kind. <laughs> it's, it's distorted guitars, bluesy it's riffs, heavy. and, and d It's heavy, sure. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's where metal kind of comes from. Yeah, I would say, yeah, Sabbath and, like, Rainbow, and there's a couple other bands, but Deep Purple, maybe. There's a couple yeah. other bands, but, like... Someone actually said Sabbath, and they said Heaven and Hell, like, aka Sabbath with Dio. Oh. <laughs> As, so like in their top five, they also had Sabbath with Ozzy and Sabbath with Dio. That's fair. They are not the same bands. Not the same band, but I felt like it was they cheating the, a little bit. But, you know. they, they are the same people, but they are not the same band. <laughs> so Jenny, I'm curious. So you mentioned before the show, you'd never listened to this sort of thing. Nope, this is new for me. This is my maiden cherry I'm popping here. Um, <laughs> popping the maiden cherry. <laughs> Got my handy list. And Christopher Walken's gang violence is no longer alone, but still alone. I, I feel like that should be the new name of the podcast. I feel like two seasons in, we're going to change the name to Christopher Walken's gang <laughs> Apropos Honestly, of like, basically nothing. I don't recall how that came about, but it is the greatest four words I've seen put together in a long time. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> if it was a Mad Libs, we'd be <laughs> really should be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Patreon. So tell me, what were your impressions? <laughs> Even for the old, No, we're going to save that for the only thing. <laughs> That's where you go nice. to get your hot word content. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Alonzo, yeah. you've been trying to ask me for five Oh, no, you, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put the OnlyFans link here. No. Go ahead. So, all right. So, yeah, it was interesting because I was like, I, Maiden feels, and there are several, I come up from time to time, bands that everyone else talks about all the time or likes, and I have just somehow never fucking heard them. Somehow, just never heard them. So I was like, yeah, this is good. I'll get to check at least one of those off my list. If we keep doing this, I'll probably get through all of them. But I think that I largely come down pretty similar to Lou, not similar in every respect, but similar in a couple key respects, which mm-hmm. is that number one, it's been a while since I've been like real into this kind of metal. It's been probably, God, it's been probably 25 years since I've been like, <laughs> in the mood for that sort of metal mm-hmm. because I guess, oh, and speaking of that, I'm ashamed to say that I forgot to put the most critical after party link in there, but I did just now put it in the doc for uh, oh, We gotta do some Metalocalypse. We gotta yeah, watch some Metalocalypse. That's what I put in there. Okay. Awaken or Death Ball, <laughs> which is like my favorite one ever. So yeah, apart from Metalocalypse, like my metal exposure has been low. So I didn't really know how to feel about it, but Here's what I'll say. I'm still not necessarily 
raring to listen to old school metal these days. And I, I don't know that I'm gonna put this on heavy rotation or anything. I probably won't. Mm -hmm. That being said, oh, and apart from the voice, which I just I have trouble with the voice and it, it's not <laughs> insurmountable. It's nice. not insurmountable, but I, I really feel like this could have been an instrumental and I would have liked it slightly better even because, and here's why. I 100% agree with you, Lewis, that I was listening to the, like, especially the bass is insane. It's fucking amazing. It's amazing, and I wanted to hear it more. I wanted to, I was listening really hard for it. And when he started singing and over it, I was like, no, don't. Like, I'm trying to hear these six, six bass lines. And I yeah. couldn't, because there was a vibrato. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it's really remarkable. Even though I'm, I didn't fall in love with Maiden or anything, but my God, it's remarkable. The musicianship on here, the bass in particular, like even I, who who sometimes miss the smaller details, was really blown away by that. I'm impressed. Yeah, I like the bass is. First of all, the bass is tracked really high for a metal band. Yes. Alonzo mentioned this as well. The bass is tracked real high for a metal band. It bounces in a way that most metal does not. Mm. It, the thing with the guitar work is like. Proto Van Halen, or I guess Van Halen, like it's one. It's the thing that makes Van Halen unnecessary for me. Like, <laughs> oh no, dude! Come yeah. on. You have to watch Doctor Rock shows. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, look, dude. Yeah. I, Van Halen post David Lee Roth, a hundred percent agree. First Van Halen yeah. record, whole. I, it's one of my favorites, dude. I love it so yeah. much, man. Anyway. Yeah, it doesn't speak to me like that, but yeah. Yeah, the, the bass bounces, and to listen, to check out some of the live videos and watch this guy, it's a, that kind of rhythm off of like finger picking the bass guitar is like, man, I don't know how those fingers have just fallen the hell off at the end of the concert. It's intense. It really is. I, it was just really not only noteworthy, but just, I'm just in awe about the bass, and I don't mean to keep going on about it, but it was like, just that remarkable. So, it, made, it made that kind of impression. Okay, did you it, it, listen? It, oh, sorry, go ahead, Ryan. No, I was going to say, it's got, like, the interesting thing with Maiden is that you can pick different pieces of what rock and roll became within it, and I feel like they don't get the coverage that they deserve for the place that they have in rock and roll. Like, the number of times I've turned on even the, like, metal radio station, right? Somebody that plays bands like Van Halen and you know, the harder stuff, you don't really hear Maiden on the radio. Like, you don't really hear Maiden in the places that you should hear Maiden at this point, yeah. um, for whatever reason. But, <laughs> you know, that the bass guitar work is very punk. Like, there's a lot of speed punk in that, that bass and a lot of what became thrash metal in that same bass. There's a lot of this virtuoso guitar stuff that like Satriani and Wayne Malmsteen and like people like Buckethead and Slash. There's just an entire world of guitar that comes out of this. You don't get like Zach Wilde without this. Like probably like Randy Rhodes without this is a hard thing to argue. Like I, yeah, it, I mean kind of simultaneous. Yeah, I think to me. I think lyrically they also had a big influence. There's a lot of there's a lot of metal that is like 
Metal for History nerd. Like, all Metal for History yeah. nerds came from this band. <laughs> or Metal for Fantasy with Fantasy. There's been music with sort of fantasy lyrics for a long time. Zeppelin, Sabbath, and others. But these guys took it to another place. <laughs> they do a song about Egyptian mythology. The, the title track on, on this record. Yeah. They also do the rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which none of us have brought up that yet, but that's an insane task to take on as a metal band. Like, <laughs> metal band <laughs> adapted an epic poem. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. So, so for me, it's, there's a lot, like basically any metal band that has tried to do anything like that, go shake their hand. Because like they're really some of the first ones that kind of took it to that place. Yeah, yeah. Did you listen, Jenny, did you, did, like, did the lyrics like pop through a little bit more, like on this one, where you're like, oh wait, what are they saying? <laughs> or did you follow like any of the songs or? I, when I did one of my listens, I pulled up the lyrics and just went through it with. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, this album felt like maybe it belonged like a rock opera type thing. Like it's very thematically, I guess it just had that feel to me. And also for the same reason that Lewis said earlier, which is that I, I think these songs are really well done, but there were also parts where it just got real hard to separate them. And it was like, am I still listening to the same one? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> while it blurs together. But I felt like it would be so cool if it was like a rock opera type thing, a clock opera, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> because it has that, there's just that, it's those lyrics in particular like really set like some high drama. It's very theatrical. Yeah, for a band this operatic uh, to really, as far as I know, have never done a rock opera. Like, it really feels like they should have just done that, got that out of their system. Like, <laughs> like the, one of the things that I, I feel like is significant about metal at this time, specifically Maiden, and probably Judas Priest falls in this category, but they dialed in a sound, right? Like, Number of the Beast, they've got Bruce Dickinson, like, they are on a path, right? So, 18 years later, they dropped Virtual 9 when we are in high school, in one of the few like maiden records to come out of the timeline I was paying attention. Right. They still had that sound. Like, <laughs> yes. Like they found the groove in the record and they glued the needle into that thing. <laughs> and they milked it for everything it's worth. It's amazing for what it is. But Maiden's not a band you grow with. <laughs> Maiden's a band that like you appreciate or you grow into but it is a groove in the record. And yeah. I've got friends, like, I have a friend that we were talking last week, and he was talking about when he got married, he was gifted Maiden tickets, and he and two of his friends went to see Maiden, and they made their way dead on up against the rails, like, front of the stage for the entire concert. <laughs> and he said it was incredible. like. The band members were incredible. They're like they got handed shit, like symbols and shit, because they were three dudes just like completely rocking out, like huge long hair, completely rocking the main mm -hmm. in like probably the early two thousands. I'm gonna guess. 
And like, they absolutely loved it. And for me, I think that's a place where Maiden would shine. It's like, if, if going to see Maiden would be an experience that I probably would have a hard time passing up even yeah. now. Yeah. Listening to Maiden is not high enough to do. So, okay. All right. You touch on something very interesting here, which is a couple, you guys both talked about this, like that, that there's not a ton of variety, like in terms of what, like tempo and the construction of the songs. And then yeah. also they basically, with Number of the Beast, okay, a little background. This is the, the third in a trilogy of what is known as the classic Maiden records. They had two records before Number of the Beast that with a different singer that fuck I can't why can't I remember his name and they're not bad records they're cool like they're a little bit more 70s and a little more bluesy Paul Diano so on Number of the Beast Bruce Dickinson joined the band they had a huge hit and then so this one or I'm sorry Number of the Beast Peace of Mind and this one are like I think if you talk to a Maiden fan like they're like the holy trilogy of the classic Maiden songs and the Maiden album and you're right, they found a groove. I think I've listened to some of the other ones after the, these, and some of them have a little bit more variety. And I will say that Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner has a really cool breakdown, almost Pink Floyd-ish spoken word part in the middle. And yeah. you know how I feel about spoken word just generally. <laughs> and that shit actually worked. I liked it. But I can't disagree, honestly. I think you guys are right. Like, it's... Yeah, it doesn't... It does... It plays the same... It plays the same trick. I just, for me, it's like when I'm listening to the solos and I'm listening to the changes between the A bridge into a verse, into a solo, into the B bridge, like... Just my brain just like lights up. There's just yeah. a lot going on, and I'm like, and then I'm hearing the bass, and then I'm hearing the drum fills, and then he's singing, Bruce Dickinson singing his ass off, and it just it's maximalist in this like really beautiful way that keeps my yeah. brain going. And so like for me, it's, it could keep going, like it could just go. <laughs> I could listen yeah, to all three I, of those records like back to back just because like I'm just in the groove, in that groove that is glued to the <laughs> the needles yeah, glued yeah. to the groove. A really fun album to listen to even though it's not yeah. necessarily like my thing when i'm li when i was listening to it i still was like yeah really well done oh yeah now i've been walking through the house all week like singing to aubrey in falsetto about how we have to kill the unborn child in the <laughs> like it's two minutes to midnight is such a like fantastic little like conspiracy like we need to thwart this conspiracy and kill the like antichrist or whatever it's supposed to be like before before it comes to the earth like, it's, <laughs> like there's a lot of that song in particular like really makes me think of some great like italian giallo shit where it's for just, sure like it's gonna get weird and it's gonna get crazy and then there's gonna be some shred metal guitar like it's it is a blast it, like it's still a thing that I have to be like forced to listen to, but but it's a blast. Like it'll stay on my playlist of music, and it'll get worked into the grand shuffle of things. 
And when it comes up, I will not skip tracks. I will enjoy it. But I yeah. do not have the perseverance to like sit through three Maiden albums. I mean, I, I can't imagine, and again, Rhyme and the Ancient Mariner made my cut. Yeah. I can't imagine three albums back to back listening and then hitting Rhyme and the Ancient Mariner and being like, okay. We're almost there. It's like a long distance day hike where it's 17 miles in. You're like, look, I know we can't see the car, but it's just on the other side of the hill. Push ourselves a little further, it'll be over. So, okay, guess which song is my favorite song in the record, both of you. Okay, the. I know. All right. I mean, you have access to my cut, so that'll narrow it down to five. But I'm not gonna look at the cut. Okay. I'm gonna say your favorite track is Power Slave. Is this okay. the title track? Okay. That, that, okay, that's your guess, Jenny. What do you got? What do you think? I'm gonna say either Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner or The Duelist. Okay, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is the correct answer. That song is so fucking good, and I know it's. Almost 14 minutes long. It's a long one. <laughs> I love the main riff. I love the solos. I love the lyrics. It is so epic. Holy shit. Like, I was, a couple days ago, I was driving around and listening to it. And that part where he's, you know, dying of thirst and there's so, so much water around him. I was like, fuck. That's like such an intense scenario. Yeah. And it goes into the solo, and then I'm just like imagining what that would be like of just being like lost at sea. And I don't know, it was just like, how much music does that? It's like, how much music do you listen to sets you back a little bit to be like, wow, what would that be like? And, and then it, it changes, it has variety, right? It has that variety where it changes into this like really crazy, weird sort of spoken word thing and then comes back, it feels most almost like classical music, like an operatic type of, there's the theme and then there's, exactly. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, for me, like, it's one of my favorite of their songs, like, ever. It might be my favorite of their songs, ever. But both of, the, both of the other songs that you guys mentioned, Power Slave and The Duelist, are on my cut. And both of yeah. those songs are awesome. I think the, the song that, I think the song that blows me away the most when I get to it, because I think it's right in the pocket of my taste, is The Village. I don't really, like, like vocally, like, the lyrics I'm not crazy about. There's a couple kind of dumb lines in it, but it's got that, like, gallopy to the guitars, the gallop to the bass. Like, it's, yeah, I think it's what becomes thrash metal in a few years. It's a good example of what kind of bands like Slayer and Pantera pull out of. Iron Maiden. Okay, so we go song by song, but I want to talk a little bit quickly about Two Minutes to Midnight. Yeah. Does that song sound a little bit like a glam metal song to you? Like yeah, the, mean, there's, the there's riff. Glam metal all over there. <laughs> the riff and not the lyrics. The lyrics, apparently, according to Genius, are about the Doomsday Clock. How many That's metal? What I was kind of assuming. How many metal bands write a song about the Doomsday Clock? <laughs> it's some Alan Moore shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there is material. Their lyrical material is always fun. 
I, it's all over the place for sure. It's definitely not, it's not self-loathing. It's not self-pitying. It's not like a rejection of the world. It's an interesting little pocket of lyrical metal. It might be a little bit where I am. It's, I'm less interested in hearing about like, I'm just so sad and broken or whatever. <laughs> like I'm, I'm less on that tip right now in life. Yeah. yeah. I'm more like, well, yo, let's like watch a fucking documentary on the Blitz, the, <laughs> you know, the German Blitz in Britain. I don't know. It's just. Like, uh. <laughs> yeah, look, like, I think that's the true. I feel if you were listening to a lot of self-loathing metal, like, we'd have to have a talk about how good you actually have it. <laughs> hey, is there self-loathing metal? Does that exist? <laughs> yeah. So, most certainly. Listen to Pantera for five seconds. <laughs> yeah, there's some self-loathing in Pantera. A lot of, a lot of, yeah, there, there's a lot of Suicide solution? A lot of that, there's a lot of that in I Hate God, right? Like, usually if you can find some, like, junkies, there's some self-loathing in that metal. Mm. Like, yeah, I just, I guess I imagine, like, metal being, like, like, it, it, it can be, or frequently is, just a lot of anger, but I guess it could totally be directed at the person, at yourself, I suppose. So, also in black metal, there's a lot of self-loathing, uh, too. But, yeah, yeah. interesting thing to me about Maiden, I think you you're touching on this, Ryan. It's a very positive. It's positive. Like, I know it I sounds mean, crazy, like, it's like they their covers are, like, well-known for being creepy and crazy, and they have some number of the beast, and run to the hill like all this stuff but to me their music is like fun it's fun like it's fun to listen to but then also it's like fun because you're getting like a history lesson or you're getting like something you're getting something else it's not negative i don't know if i would call it positive but it's not <laughs> negative it's, I, I don't i don't think a lack of one constitutes the other necessarily but yeah it's badass. I, I see what you're saying yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah, it's a history lesson. It's not like, yeah. if you're talking about like self-loathing and just. Yeah, if Bruce Dickens' father ever like molested him or whatever, like, we don't know about it because <laughs> We wouldn't know. <laughs> we wouldn't know. Exactly. Yeah. That's the first molestation joke of the uh, pod. Wow. Took a while to reach that mile. Okay, let's see here. What else? Also, I, I think. I don't know, this is a dumb thing, mm. but it honestly like really occupied a bigger space in my brain than maybe it should have. But this was recorded in the Bahamas and I just chuckled so much <laughs> myself thinking about these dudes like arriving in fucking, we were just there two years ago in Nassau actually. So like having that picture of Nassau and then just like imagining like these dudes stepping off the plane and <laughs> proceeding to like in the chillest of places proceeding to make this music it really tickled me probably more than it should have it's funny I, I i feel like in some way it makes sense like they're in this like beautiful place and they're not sad they're not upset they're gonna fucking make their shit <laughs> and do they're their thing you know they're making a record underwater yeah, I'd like to also, I'd like to point out that my Giallo comment was right on point because apparently Flash of the Blade was on the Phenomenals. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. So, Jenny, I noticed that your top song was the instrumental. Is that because you just hate that guy's Bruce Dickens' voice no. so much? <laughs> no, I actually, it, believe it or not, 
it's because I really like that song. The absence of his voice doesn't hurt, but like, <laughs> I'm, I'm ranking them on the music though. Play. And I know, I, I can see that my list looks like almost nothing. And on an album with only eight tracks, that's remarkable in and of itself. I really wanted to cut it down to four. But I, I just really couldn't. I just felt I did I what I, I did what I needed to do. Yeah, I almost all, had a fit, and then I was like, mm. yeah. All week my my playlist has been five, and it's had Flash of the Blade on it. But it, like the last minute, I was like, yeah, four. Yeah, Flash of the Blade is one that would have that I cut that I like. I could have kept that. But I, and I think this is where this is a point worth making is that this album normally even when we listen to albums that have songs on them that i love like love of love albums that i would recommend to people that i'm like passionate about even those sometimes have songs that like for example my, the descendants that we did last two weeks ago mm -hmm. there's a song on there that i rated a no, like one it got one out of five was it parents but, no i you know what i'd have to pull it up now, like, <laughs> yeah. I, didn't have it close enough in the front of my brain to recall from memory, but Parents was down there. And even though I love that album, like there, are, my point is that there are songs that got real low ratings, even on albums I love. Mm -hmm. What was unusual about this one is that I didn't necessarily fall in love with Maiden, but there's not really a bad song on here. And even the ones that didn't make my cut, like I don't really skip. They're all like groovable. They're all, um, not a one of them did I be like, that's just a bad song and you should feel bad. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think I was more cutting songs that I found myself listening to and thinking, am I listening to the track that I thought I was listening to when I started listening to this? <laughs> and if I'm not, is this a part of the song I think I'm listening to that I could cut out? It, it, it's, I feel like a lot of the virtuoso guitar work kind of steps on itself from song to song and the places where I tried to make cuts were like places where it stood out like some part of it stood out more than other songs whether that falls back on the chugginess that I really appreciate or just a different presentation than, than some of the other tracks and if there were too many that sounded the same I started working on those to cut them back so we all had aces high. Oh, Ryan, you didn't have no, we aces didn't. high. Wow. We didn't, have, we didn't all have aces high. Fuck, I got, I got really sick of listening to aces high on the repeats. Wow. Oh, like, okay. I, I agree that song does feel like a dogfight, like the soundtrack to a dogfight. But inside into my personality, <laughs> I don't care that much about dogfights. <laughs> but the, the, like, the, the intro to that song is, I think, a metal, like... Classic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that intro. <laughs> like, I feel like the intro is solid, but it's not enough to have it that on that chorus. The chorus. And the fact that he hits the crazy high note in the last chorus. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a little bit of that that feels like... It, it feels a little too tropey for me now. Like, in 1985, I might have been right on top of it. <laughs> if I wasn't four years old. Yeah. But, like, as an adult... Like it's like all right, that's kind of cool. Okay, I don't need it. <laughs> it just doesn't, so, doesn't do it for me in, in the way that so many other metal bands. So we got to listen to a 
Merciful Fate song in the after party, Melissa. Because that will challenge you guys as far as like the high pitch to sing. <laughs> <laughs> not, Melissa's, Melissa's interesting because Melissa stands out in a way that like like Merciful Fate was doing stuff that nobody else was doing yeah. Melissa was that like it was like a return to a thing that maybe like people didn't think Merciful Fate was really capable of right yeah Merciful, yeah I could talk about Merciful Fate that's fine <laughs> so it's not maybe. the singing high on principle like, it's not necessarily that. Okay, here's another question. Is Iron Maiden too good? Like, musically good, and are the songs too tight, if that makes sense? <laughs> I don't, listen, I know that I'm a little bit different from probably, you definitely, Alonzo, I don't know where you fall on this, Lewis, but to me, there is no such thing as too good musically. I don't. I appreciate some songs that are like rough around the edges. I can appreciate those, but having them be really tight and cleaned up does not take away from anything ever in my They're consistent. Not too good, too consistent. It's immaculately like, mixed. It's immaculate. Yeah. It's just like perfect sounding. And, and every track is, right? Tone's always very similar. Mm -hmm. Right, it's spot on. Exactly, the yeah. But again, it's, I need a little bit more variety yeah. in my yeah. life. Like, yeah. I just think, need something. I really think if they had just like some some things to break it up a little bit, I think it would have really it would have it would have probably bumped it up at least a, a whole point. Even the song I like the least. I full disclosure, I didn't really love Power Slave. I still got a two point seven five for mm. for reasons, but that was my least favorite. The first half of it had a really pleasantly surprising connection to Offspring, which was actually cool to discover. I like that a lot. Cool. The second half, eh, but there's a breakdown in the middle that's really good. It's short, but yeah. it's there. Yeah. And it was really nice. It, it, you know. I actually debated Power Slave a lot, actually, because it takes a second to get going, and the riff is a little, I would say it's a little, kind of too spot on with the Egyptian stuff. <laughs> but... <laughs> too spot, like, yeah, it, it's, yeah. It needs a little bit more interpretation into something else and a little less, like, direct. Like, it's just a little... A little less walk like an Egyptian, you know. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I, but I, I totally agree. Like, I, I think, like, it takes two-thirds of the song for me to get into it. And, and that's just not something that makes my cut. Uh, that's that fair. last third is really amazing. It's not really amazing in that there's so many other songs in the album that accomplish that. My least favorite song on the record is not, it's the instrumental. And it's only because it's not Iron Maiden to me. That's like, you gotta have, <laughs> yeah, that's you gotta have a crazy yeah. singing point. If, if that's like a part of it for you, I totally get how the absence of it would feel a little off. And just yeah. kind of, and also it was just weird to put it as the third track, like third track on the record. That seems like bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that thing is six. Like you're, yeah. you're gonna be like three quarters of the way through the album. Or maybe like you get like a minute long instrumental to break up the record a little bit or something like that. <laughs> to be fair, it is Maiden's version of a minute long instrumental. <laughs> it's 
It's, it is their minute-long song. It's the second shortest song on the record. Alright, okay, let's see here. Flash of the Blade, we talked a little bit about The Duelists. The Duelists um, fun. That's another, like, it sets an atmosphere. Like, in, in a very interesting way. It's like a period piece. That's, Maiden is the period piece of, of heavy metal for me. It's, I really expect people to be dueling. And when they play the duel, it's like, yeah, this is in the pocket. I love that riff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are other... That shows up in a lot of heavy metal after this. For sure. For sure. And that's yet another one where I feel like the lyrics are just, like, super cool and put you in a world. Like... How many other bands sing about, there's a, there was a line, a lunge and a faint, a parry too late. Come on, man, they're singing about fencing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's like my, I don't know, when I was younger, I really loved like those, the British like romantic poets like Lord Byron and stuff like that. And like that part of me just wants to give them so much credit for trying, like for trying to do these like, kind of, they really are, taking the lyrics and saying, we're gonna write some sort of like epic poetry. And that's the sort of thing that's good enough to pair with this music. But it, with so many other songs, has this like, there are vocal components where he transitions between keys that kind of great this like. <laughs> come on, as, as someone that was in like high school, like chorus, Come on, dude. You could appreciate that how hard that shit is. I can appreciate how hard that is, and I can appreciate that it gets worked into Iron Maiden. <laughs> that's that's the problem, and kind of why bands that try and do this after Iron Maiden don't really work that well, like Dragon Force. Yeah. I feel like they tried to do this kind of sound and just didn't quite get there. Like, it's good and it's impressive, but I'm not sure it has a place outside of Iron Maiden. And it throws me off. There are just points where those woes throw me off a bit. <laughs> okay. No. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Any other thoughts on Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner? It's 14 minutes. The Coleridge poem has lines from the Coleridge poem, has the spoken word yeah. piece. I don't know what else to say aside <laughs> from like the fucking balls. Like the fucking <laughs> balls on a band. To take the rhyme of the ancient mariner and make a crazy epic metal song that is inspired by it and includes pieces of it, and like in 1985, like who the yeah. fuck was looking for this on an album in 1985? <laughs> but was one of them it, like an, an? Was one of them an English major or something? Because that's just the <laughs> explanation for this. I'm getting. I feel like most like British education at this time was not far off from everyone being an English major. Look, they paid right, attention in right, school to some extent. Like, th- this isn't like Johnny Rotten or <laughs> Sid yeah. Vicious. Like, they, they maybe actually went to class. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like these guys passed most of their classes <laughs> as opposed to like using class to pierce their nose with the safety. Right, right. Right? Like, it's <laughs> like they... The two, if they were in the same class, they're getting something very different. <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to read a line that's actually from the original poem, apparently. Day after day we stuck, nor breath nor motion, as idle as a painted ship upon a painted ocean. 
water everywhere, and all the boards did shrink water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. Right. Like, that's I mean, it's a like, metal song. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> classic, like, people remember that and don't have any idea where it's from, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, and these guys constructed a metal song out of, out, around it. Congratulations, <laughs> right? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. You were in the middle, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, like, for me, like, at the time where I got into heavy music, it was a rebellion thing. I'm like, while this is, while the sound of this is impressive, it never felt rebellious. No. Like, it's, it doesn't feel, like, subversive. It doesn't feel rebellious. And I feel what I was looking for in metal is still that it's just changed a little bit like when i was a kid and got into it that subversion that rebellion came from like content and like appearance and as i've gotten older it's switched over more into dissonance right yeah. and I, these guys don't hit that in either place for me and i think more than anything that may be why i don't come back to Iron Maiden because I still look for those two components mm -hmm. whether it's dissonant subversion or cultural rebellion and I don't it's just not there in Iron Maiden and that's cool it just it's a different thing I think you hit I think you really hit on something there and I think it actually makes sense to some extent that I've grown into it from the standpoint of what I appreciate about them is they really try hard. They try really hard. And they kick some ass. Yeah. And so as you get older, like you realize, that, or at least I do, that your mediocre like effort is generally not good enough. Like you have to actually try, you have to actually spend the time, you have to do the work. And you keep breaking, you keep hitting the rock and eventually it'll crack. And one of the things I've never cared for in metal, and in punk too, honestly, is this concept of, like, one of the things about punk that I think is really cool is this idea of, hey, let's not let, like, our shittiness on these instruments stop us from, like, expressing our emotions and making, like, expressing our passion. But there's, like, people that, like, in, in that kind of music that, like, they don't get better, and they don't care, and it's just, what the fuck, dude? Like, when you're playing music, like, you just, by factor of playing, like, you're, like, you would think you would yeah, get better. There comes a point where you're working hard to stay as bad as you used to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, I, I think that's, that, yeah, I think that kind of hits the sweet spot. There's also, like, the modern kind of woke up like this idea of going into those bands that like works in an unfiltered state early on. Whereas these guys, I think the expectation was just like, if you want to stand out in metal, you better be able to tap your way through a solo, <laughs> like in four octaves, right. like on your bandmate's guitar. Like it, it just, it's, it's a, a professionalism and showmanship right. that you don't get with the grungier parts of metal. Like, yes. Doom metal doesn't come with like a way to show how like shred capable you are at any point in time, but 
a lot of that stuff exists to like say I don't have to come out here and shred until my fingers bleed. Like, right. I I can express myself in a more sim, a more simplified manner and still be good at my instrument. And yeah. like, there's definitely pieces where it feels like people are phoning in their style, and there are people that play a simplified style that have honed it over time. Like, the guys in sleep can really, it may be one note that kind of resonates for a while, but you can hear a difference between like their early stuff and like this last Sciences album, right? There's, there's, a skill being and these, these guys started at an incredibly high level so I yeah. I don't like you just bump up against the ceiling with every album you put out <laughs> at that level. right yeah so one last thought at least around this that for me is one of the things I've noticed over time is like the trick of some bands to present themselves as yeah I just woke up and I just grabbed the guitar and just whatever and the, the older I get, the more you, you realize in a, in a bigger way. It's a lot of hard work to make it look like you just woke up out of bed. <laughs> like, it, and, and it tricks people into thinking you don't actually need to do anything or put in effort. But actually, that's not really what's going on. So... Yeah, I think it's more of a making it look effortless rather than, you know... These guys... Yeah. It's tough to look like you haven't bathed in a week if you're bathing every day. That's hard work. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's, it's tough to make yourself look strung out if you quit heroin six years ago. Like, that's, <laughs> that's difficult work. I, my, I picked my Freebird as two minutes to midnight. Just I think it's... It, I don't know. Maybe this wasn't like thought out, but I just felt like it had kind of everything. It had the really cool solos, it had singing your ass off, it had the weird, the, the crazy intense chorus, it had the like thematic doomsday clock lyrics, and it felt a little more 70s and a little more glam metal than some of the other songs, as aka maybe it sounded a little bit more like Freebird than other songs, I, I don't know, it's out there. And then the, the sweater yeah. song, like for me, I have no idea what it is. I picked the instrumental just because it doesn't have any lyrics because all the other lyrics are like really, they're, they're, it's funny because like most of the lyrics in this record, in my opinion, are not hard to decipher. Like it's, you're not like, what is this song they're about? Clear. <laughs> they're yeah. very clear and they tell a story. And they go funny. out of their way to make it that clear. Exactly. Uh, so I picked the instrumental. <laughs> as my sweater song, just because there are no words, so it could be about anything. So there you go. Yeah, I struggled with that too. I attempted to get a sweet sweater song in a free bird, and I honestly just threw my hands up at it. <laughs> because like, none of them stand out as being any less serious or coherent than the others. And like, <laughs> as far as I could tell, at least, I don't think there's a love song on here. And I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't think, I, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, my free bird was Rhyme and the Ancient Mariner because so epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah, <laughs> I, to the extent that any of them could be, I would agree with. <laughs> and my sweater song is Two Minutes to Midnight because I've been singing it for the last two weeks. <laughs> like, two. 
<laughs> I, it, it just because all the reasons that Alonzo gave that two minutes to midnight was his free bird are the same reasons it's <laughs> all right okay so let's work our way to ratings i can begin yeah we said a lot now you guys know that maiden's in my top five metal bands of all time of the three of the sort of holy trilogy of like classic maiden albums to me this is my favorite one even though I love the other two, and even though there are other great songs outside of those, and maybe even though my f- maybe my favorite Iron Maiden song, Hallowed Be Thy Name, is not on here, <laughs> which is a separate story. Yeah, that's again Number of the Beast, right? I... Mm, no, I don't think Isn't so. It? I thought that was Number of the Beast. Maybe you're right, I can't remember. I can't remember, but I don't know, look it up. But uh, I will. I, for me, I agree with what you guys are saying as far as the variety, and that's something I noticed listening to it like pretty intensely for the last two weeks. And it would make the record a lot better if there were two or three songs that went in a slightly different direction, or were a little bit rougher around the edges. But that's not what they do. And so, like, for me, I feel like this is like a perfect candidate to cut down to cut down to size because to me it's like when I cut it down to five songs, that's like a little bit more digestible to where I don't necessarily need so much variety. So yeah, all that said, it's four stars for me. I think Maiden's an all-time classic band. I don't know if they have an all-time classic album. Even though every song for me is like a cool song and I'll listen to it, I feel like they're excellent, amazing, over-the-top songs that are a little scattered over their discography. So... Right, it keeps you on the different albums. Like, I think it's smart for a band that's able to consistently put out this kind of high-quality work. So, four stars for me. My cut ended up being close to four stars, and the whole album was still not that low. It was a 3.3. And yeah, I think if I wanted to summarize, we have talked to death about this and I'm not going to just rehash it, but I think if I wanted to summarize my feelings on this, I don't know that I'm, I don't think that I have a love for Maiden at this point, and I don't think I'm likely to develop like any undying love for Maiden, but I do have a massive amount of appreciation for what they were doing here and I have a lot of respect and I think that's for the sort of thing that really isn't my cup of tea it's not every day that can get that reaction out of me for something that's like pretty wide of the mark I think that says a lot about it I think the whole thing was just really well done I really like that about it the bass was just I'm still talking about the bass at the end of this episode (laughs) we'll listen to we'll listen to the Ryan found me that bass only track yeah we gotta listen to that shit for sure yeah yeah it's worth it anyway and sorry I'm, continue i'm glad that we did this i'm glad that i now no longer have to be in the people bring up maiden i now can actually speak to something about it at least so thanks lonzo yeah no and i feel like that's like for me is like just the, the cool thing about this whole thing is like, god knows when i would have revisited that descendants record that we did like two weeks ago it's just like an awesome excuse to revisit music that i might not necessarily be like running to but it, it like 
structures like me to be able to like pull that in, think about it, appreciate it. That was cool. I, I, I started listening to No Effects again oh, just after, just to just to understand that stuff a little bit more. It's been a long ass time. My buddy Andy Carr was a big fan of the West Coast punk, so he had a bunch of that stuff. So it's been like literally like twenty some years <laughs> since I listened to any of that stuff. I can slide back into No Effects like it was yesterday, and I think it's I think it's only because I really was in it so deep for so long, and also just because they're just so great. Like they're they don't. The music doesn't like depreciate over time like some other things do. And then it's just me. But, but the last thing I want to say about this is that, and this is not a consequential or important point, but it's what I was going to say earlier and got off track, mm. is that when you're talking about the, like, the drama and like the, the scene that they're painting of desperation where there's like all the water and not a drop, it was funny because in my mind, I just heard Nathan Explosion being like, Metal. And then I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> it's become such a thing now. Like, any anything that's just, like, oh, it's mind-blowingly dark, like, I just automatically am like, metal. <laughs> I, I can't do the growl. But, and it's amazing that, like, this, the label for this music has now become the adjective of choice for anything in that variety. Yeah, I think for me, this is, like, a three-star album, like... It's hard to say anything is like sweet spot Iron Maiden because again, they're really consistent. Mm -hmm. The album start to finish is, it's fun. Yeah, the first three Maiden albums are what I'm gonna listen to if I'm gonna listen to Maiden. This one, I, I haven't spent as much time as I have in the last two weeks on this album. So it's been nice to dig into this, especially. Yeah, it's like a three-star album. like. I can say a world of positive things about it, but... It doesn't... You don't feel it at I, the end I, of the day. Yeah, it, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't speak to me in the same way that so many other metal albums do, mm -hmm. and it doesn't get as much willing play from me as it should, or as it would for other people, maybe, mm -hmm. but it's not bad. Like, <laughs> I can't sit here and say that there are bad things about it. It, it doesn't get inside my heart in yeah. the same way yeah. so like, i can't say it's four star if we want to talk about like technical proficiency these guys are like five star musicians but right. that's why it's a three star album for me yeah. because it has all the pieces of things that i find boring like in so many other types of music but it's so technically perfect and good in the genre that i love that yeah it's it's a three-star album that's right in the middle of the room. Okay, before we take our little break for the after party, Ryan, do you have uh, a pick for two weeks from now? Yeah, I do. It, it's been my palate cleanser as things are warming up. It's an album that I go to as the summer starts every year, and it is Devo's second album, Duty Now for the Future. Wow, cool. It I'm is. not sure I've ever listened to it. Their first album, Are We Not Men, We Are Devo, yes. famously produced by Brian Eno and David Bowie, still doesn't quite hit me in the sweet spot that Duty Now for the Future does. It probably doesn't have a Devo song that you're familiar with, except maybe Secret Agent Man, which is... You know, <laughs> Just a cover? Not, yeah, it's not a Devo, but it's really good. It's that like sweet spot of 
talking head style punk and like synthy kind of inspired rock. So it'll be interesting, I think, to have you guys both give your takes on it. I really like Devo, and this is maybe my favorite Devo album. So that's exciting. It's an easy one for me. But I think it's outside of the park for both of you guys. I don't, I don't know either one of you for really spending much time with Devo. I have. It's fun. Like so, I know the big songs, and I know Are We Not Men, but. There's a collection of their like rarities from the 70s that is so fucking awesome. I can't remember what the hell it's called, but I listened to the fuck out of that. What's it called? In the last couple years, they've gotten they've put out some early kind of live albums that are really good. Yeah, yeah. I have a couple Devo live albums that are. What the fuck? Yeah, what? It's oh man. It's weird, it's not list. Oh, Hardcore Devo. Hardcore Devo, that's what it's called. Nice. Hardcore Devo. Oh, yeah, so there's a song on Hardcore Hardcore Devo called Bougie Boy's Funeral. That is like one of my. That's one of those, if I make a movie, I'm gonna use that in the soundtrack somehow. I have like a playlist of like songs to use in a movie or something like that and that's one of them and the whole actually the whole thing was really cool because it's like they were making this music in 1974 so yeah yeah that's super exciting man yeah there's a lot of Devo to talk about outside of this album for sure so like after party there's so much good material mm -hmm. right freedom choice girl you want like songs like that that mm -hmm. ended up on the freedom of choice album their third album yeah. that are just classic like yeah i think i i would say that like pretty much almost everybody's like general population familiarity with devo is the third album but right this one's solid so I mean, okay it's gonna be a solid two weeks i think you guys will enjoy it awesome awesome very good okay well 